Good morning, Bridge family. It's so great to be with you today. This morning, I'm beginning a new series for our month of October. As I've been praying about how the Lord would lead us together as a community, the Lord has led me to bring a message on unity within the body of Christ. More than any other time that I can recall in our nation's history, I believe that we are divided. Now, that may not mean that it is the most divided time that we've ever had, but in my experience, I have never felt more tension around literally any topic that you choose than now. And to add to an already very challenging year, we are beginning to move into the political fray of our presidential election next month. And so it made sense to me that the Lord would cause us to move into a series on unity. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, that doesn't really make sense to me. I I, I assume that we all agree here at the bridge, don't we? (laughs) Well, no, we don't. And I've known for a long time throughout my entire pastoral career that I pastor both sides of the proverbial aisle. And I love diversity, and I welcome more of it. But I'm absolutely convinced that God is calling his church to unity within our diversity. And so my heart family is to challenge and hopefully to inspire all of us to another level of spiritual discernment, of critical thinking, of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, and relational engagement with the world around us. A world that Jesus still loves, by the way. You see, I'm convinced that God has not changed his mind about his church. We are still the light. We are still the salt. We are still called to be a city on a hill, carrying the hope of the gospel to a lost and dying world. If you know me, you know that I rarely have ever used this pulpit for politicizing. The truth is, over the years... All of my pastor friends are either criticized for being too political or not political enough. But for me, I believe that we are in a time where inasmuch faith and politics don't mix, they do intersect. And so I want to share my heart, God's word with you over the next four weeks regarding unity as a church and how we can be thinking about the season of time that we're living in and even more specifically the upcoming election. You know me, I would never expect to tell you who to vote for, but I believe that I do have some suggestions for how we can enter into this season. I've been talking with our staff about this message series this week and and I'm aware that I may simultaneously offend and endear most of the people within our church. And I'm okay with that because I believe that I need to speak up because I see so much division, not just in our world, but even in the church related to the social and political atmosphere that we are in right now. I'm convinced that the enemy's strategy is to manipulate us through fear to a point where we are either totally disengaged and isolated or overly enmeshed, agitated and offended beyond belief. Fear is the enemy's strategy. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what could be. But what do we know, family? We know that perfect love casts out all fear. And we know that fear is not from God, therefore it is not for us. 
I believe that God is calling his church to model to the world what it looks like to disagree politically and yet love unconditionally. To value connection over agreement. To value people over issues and to champion love over fear. Pastor Andy Stanley recently asked a congregation, are you willing to evaluate your politics, your opinions, through the filter of faith, rather than to create a version of faith that supports your politics or your opinion? It's always been easier to be divided than to do the hard work of pursuing and maintaining unity but that doesn't make it any less a priority. Amen? Amen. So let me begin our series today by asking and hopefully answering this very important question. Why unity? Why is this important for us? Well, I want to begin by asking you to turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 17. We're going to begin reading at verse 9, and we're going to look at what Jesus prays for his disciples. As always, I encourage you to follow along on the YouVersion Bible app and to engage with us today. Perhaps you'd like to grab a piece of paper to take some notes or, or your journal. I want to invite you to engage. I believe that we're always going to get more out of the experience when we invest. Amen? Yeah. Verse 9, Jesus saying this, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. That's the title of our series this month, family, that they may be one. But it's interesting, Jesus didn't stop there just praying for his disciples or followers at the time of his ministry. But guess what? He prayed for you and me too. Look with me at verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. Listen, family, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even, even as you have loved me. Complete unity. Why? Well, I believe that we see in these passages that, number one, that the world would know that Jesus was sent by the Father. Why is that important? Because what we're going to find out, family, is that through our unity, we testify that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one prophesied of. 
Because guess what? Especially in the time that we're living in, there's no other thing that really could do the work of unifying us except something like this, that God would come stepping out of eternity into time to bring the message of the gospel to the world. And number two, we see that the world may know that God's children are loved by God. Why do we want that to be an important message? Because we want everyone who would, whosoever, to be invited into this wonderful family of God. Who wants to be a part of a divided family? Who wants to be a part of an antagonized family, an embittered, resentful, distant family? I don't. We're called to be the bride of Christ, the family of God. And our unity is a testimony to the love of God that we want to be attractive to the world. Amen? We want to be able to live a life and live in community and demonstrate a love that is so foreign in our culture that people are drawn to it for Christ's sake. John chapter 13, verse 35 Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, family, I'm convinced that Jesus knew that division would come. And he knew that any time that his church were to be splintered and divided, our mission would stall. See, the purpose of unity was critical and imperative to Jesus. We always have to remember that Jesus knows us completely. He he created us. And he knew full well how different we would be. And that different doesn't need to mean wrong. But that we would usually see it that way. How important is unity to Jesus? I believe that we see from these prayers that everything rides on our unity. Now, as we're talking about unity, let me clarify that I'm not talking about uniformity. I'm not talking about us all looking the same. That's weird. We're not clones. We're not robots. We're unique individuals. I'm not talking even about sameness. Again, unity within diversity. And I'm not even really talking about agreement. I want to challenge you today to this idea That a loving connection is always superior to agreement in relationship. We've been united and we've we've been called to be united in a common purpose. What is that purpose? Bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. See, as we think about this upcoming election, the bottom line is one candidate, maybe your candidate, will win or lose based upon the nation's vote in November. However, the church wins or loses. Our families win or lose. Our communities win or lose. Our nation wins or loses. Our world wins or loses based upon how we love each other and how we love the world. I'm sure you've thought about this like I have. I can only see that our nation is already going to be in tremendous upheaval either way. What happens if we are too? We can't risk the message, the purpose, 
the commission, the calling that's upon our lives by allowing the enemy to divide us in a world that's already going to be in chaos. We are called to be that city on a hill, to be that calming voice, to be that reassuring vision of what could be that future best that God has in store for us. Amen? So don't lose heart and don't lose hope. But instead, draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. And those things that would limit us, God will heal in Jesus' name. The hope for the world is not a political party or a single politician. I still believe that the hope for the world is the loving bride of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to love a broken humanity to Jesus. Thinking about the things that are so controversial in our, in our culture, in our society right now. And it's been interesting for me to relate that justice and fairness and dignity seem to be on the, on the block right now. But can I remind you that none of those things are fundamentally human inventions. They are all Bible yeah. So why will we be divided over these things? Why would we allow ourselves as followers of an eternal king to be divided over lesser kings. We must not. The truth remains that no party perfectly represents the priorities of the kingdom of God. This week I I read this quote that I was just so struck by, the humility of Abraham Lincoln who once said, I can't say that God is on our side. I just pray that we are on his Don't get me wrong, family. The issues are real and they are important. And we need to engage and we need to vote. And we're going to talk about more of that through this series. But I do want to challenge you today that we need to vote as well as every other choice that we make in life through the lens of Scripture first and foremost. We need to be able to support our social and political views from Scripture believe that we're called to be a people whose conscience is firmly grounded and informed by the word of God, which is truth. People who are full of the Holy Spirit and seekers of knowledge and wisdom. Those are not exclusive, but always motivated by love. Proverbs fifteen fourteen says, the discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. Here's the bottom line. The truth is that even if we are committed to all of the things that I've just mentioned, we will still disagree. We will still disagree because we are unique and we are complex. And there are so many factors that shape the way that we view our world. Our perspective is is influenced by how we were raised where we grew up and what our culture was like. We have to understand that, that our experiences, our hurts, our biases are, are at some level still a part of the way that we process. Even our connections to the experiences of others have an impact. So at the end of all of this, and this is why I believe that this message on unity is so vital, because if, if we say that and if we say, Pastor, listen, Uh, Everything that you've said, if we do all that, we're still going to disagree. Then what? Is there any hope? 
And I say, yes, there is. Amen. Amen. So here is what we do. We disagree. But we love unconditionally. Not just tolerate. But pray for and advocate for the best for others. We still disagree, but we love unconditionally and we pray for and fight for and struggle for and sacrifice for unity. So keep this in your heart. We will disagree, but we're called to love unconditionally and pray for unity. Dear friends, would you, in, would you join me? Could I invite you to join me in praying beginning today, every day for unity and oneness within the global body of Christ and within our community at the bridge, our family. Could I further invite you one more to look for opportunities to love unconditionally someone you disagree with politically? And hear somebody out there saying, I don't know anybody I disagree with politically. That's part of the problem. Here's the solution. If love is leading, fear has no power. And so we can't be afraid to have those difficult conversations. Not anymore. Not anymore. And it, I believe it is absolutely the call of the church to be the ones that lead in addressing these issues and, and learning to have difficult conversations with people that we don't agree with. Listen, I know your fear is this, but in order for me to walk in unity, I have to change my mind. Not always, but maybe. Are you open to that? Are you open to the Lord? through the loving conviction of the Holy Spirit, beginning to maybe refine our thinking and our perspective. But don't let that be what stops you. Let's learn to engage. Let's learn to press in to these conversations. A.W. Tozer wrote, A scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. I'm convinced of this, that we will never influence culture as we were called to in isolation. We will only make the change that we hope for through engagement. Not social media posts. Emotionally manipulative virtual drive-bys is what I call them. And not through shame and not through judgment and not through division. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Engagement is only possible through relationship built on trust and a commitment to understanding and loving acceptance. So, why unity? Too much is at stake to give in to the lie of the enemy and live divided. Jesus made unity a priority, a non-negotiable, in fact, if we're going to fulfill our purpose on earth. Let's do this. I know you might be anxious about what I'm saying to you, and you might even be challenged, and you may be offended, you may be endeared, but I want to tell you we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us.
Next week, we're going to talk a lot more about how we can practically achieve unity despite everything that is going on. And don't miss that. And could I please encourage you to invite your friends and your family over to watch with you and talk with you. That'd be a great place to practice. Don't you agree? Remember, family, agreement is not the goal. Understanding and loving connection is the goal. Enjoy your table talk together. And after table talk, please stay tuned for for some important and exciting announcements. I love you, and I'll see you next week.